This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm excited to have you along with us today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and joining me today is Mary Lipovan. She's the Director of Culture Change and Special Projects with Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging. Mary, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tyler. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So today we are talking about organizational culture, and we're really going to dive into what makes a positive and a good organizational culture. But I think there are also some um, some maybe misnomers out there, some things that people believe to be true that, that might not necessarily be completely accurate. So we want to kind of dive into what makes strong organizational culture, how you build that, and the process that that, uh, that comes by. But Mary, I want to start off just by talking a little bit about you and your background. How did you become an expert on organizational culture? Well, it's an interesting path, Tyler. Um, I started my career as a nurse, transitioned to an advanced practice nurse. So most of my career was centered around hospital culture, which is an interesting organization. Um, Suffice to say, it's focused around physicians and surgeons and their needs. So with that said, nurses and support staff are kind of uh, a second, third, fourth tier. And at some point you kind of get over yourself and you realize that's just the way things work. And so a lot of times you'll see people move from hospital to hospital to find a job that fits them well. And they don't really appreciate that the culture is pretty similar in each of these systems. And it took me a long time to figure out that as I kept looking for that right fit, perhaps this wasn't the right job for me. So I still very much liked the idea of health and um, community service. And so I was very fortunate to have a mutual friend who was aware of area agencies on aging. And that's how I found my way to this organization. My boss, Doug Beach, Dr. E. Douglas Beach, um, said, well, you're a smart girl. You should be able to figure this out. And so that started my own education into organizational culture and uh, also the history of what the agency had done prior to my being employed there. So it was a combination of a lot of things. Absolutely. And kind of along that, along the way and along that, that career path that you took, uh, would it be accurate to say that you recognize that there was a disconnect between organizations and employees, that there are things that employees think and feel that maybe employers don't always understand or, or realize? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that each organization has to kind of take stock of, you know, what are the values? If those aren't clear and your employees don't know what they are, there's always going to be that misalignment um, and friction that will happen. And, you know, what those organizations are counting on is just the new people coming that are looking for something different. So there's unfortunately that leads to turnover and instability of the the respective hospital or agency. 
Absolutely. And I think clear values and vision, that to me stuck out uh, just as one of the, the ways of building a strong company culture, because I think when there are strong values and a, a clear vision presented, then you understand a little bit more about your role and how you fit into the overall uh, success or failure of an organization, which I think matters more than oftentimes employers give it credit for. People want to know what they're doing. They want to know why it matters. Exactly. That's exactly right, Tyler. And especially when you're in a industry like ours, which is health, human services, community-based services, you know, people aren't in this for the money. They're in this because they genuinely want to help people. So if you don't speak to those values, if you don't demonstrate those values, you know, they're going to eventually be disgruntled and leave. And I think one of the things that, that helps with that process is is strong leadership, right? Strong leadership is going to communicate clear values and, and vision and that sort of thing. But just speak to the value of, of strong leadership in organizations and why that is so important. My belief is that while there is some sort of executive team that needs to be that beacon, you have to give staff ownership and the opportunity to be leaders within their own areas because that gives them skin in the game. That's where you get the buy-in because if they're just there to you know, check a box and get something done, then you're never gonna have somebody who truly buys in and is engaged. They're just there to get their work done. So by giving them the opportunity to, you know, even participate in the goal development that goes into realizing those values, you're, you're achieving so much more. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've noticed just, just personally in my career is that people often want to take shortcuts to having a, a, a solid company culture, a good company culture. They want to be the fun place to work. They want to have this, they want to have that and bells and whistles and that sort of thing. But you really can't take a shortcut to having a strong company culture and, and skip some of the steps that we've already talked about. You're again, you're spot on Tyler. Um, anything, the shortcuts seem inauthentic and that resonates just as flat um, as not addressing values at all. So yes, I agree with you totally. Um, and one of the things that I think is, is particularly interesting is that when employers take the time to know their employees and know their values and communicate those things, then it's easier to have, I think, happy employees, which makes a difference for, for everybody up and down an organization. You're absolutely right. And one of the things that Dr. Beach wants his executive team to do is to, to walk the office. Um, so many times you figure out the easiest path from, you know, parking to your office. And it takes intention and effort to take a different path and go meet or talk to employees that you normally don't see because, you know, spaces get changed up. Um, we moved to a new set of offices about a little over a year ago. And that that was interesting how it changed the dynamic of who I saw in the morning. So I made it a point to take that other path so I could see the people that were my in my area prior to the move. And so they knew that I took the effort to go see them. And just, it, it wasn't anything big, but the fact that I sought them out, knew that they were still important and that I cared about just having that casual conversation with them. Um, and that's, that's something that Dr. Beach does. That's something that I see other uh, members of the executive team do as well. 
Absolutely. Uh, you, you wrote something that I absolutely love, and it was uh, happy employees are productive employees. And so if, if you are an employer, uh, the, the happiness of your employees does matter to the bottom line, even if you, you think that it, it might not or it's an intangible thing. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Happy employees are more productive. So make no mistake, work is called work for a reason. But if we give employees the tools to be successful, our consumers are happy, our staff is productive the way we want to see, and then we meet our obligations to our external partners, like the Ohio Department of Medicaid, the Ohio Department of Aging, our managed care partners, and the providers that we work with. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I suppose one of the things that, that sticks out to me then is to have happy employees, you need to know what motivates them. Have you found that, that there are times when employers have misjudged what actually motivates and drives employees and, and what uh, is important to them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I see is we have some rather large health systems that I won't name out loud in our greater Cleveland area that pay substantially more money than we do. Um, and yet what happens is when we have people leave our organization and then go try out the waters in these health systems, and you know it might take six months or so, but they eventually make their way back here because it's a better environment and they were happier with less money, but different benefits that may not necessarily be as tangible as just a higher paycheck. Yeah, because you mentioned earlier just that um, this is a business that is not uh, always, always, I suppose, easy, but a lot of people are in it because they want to do good. They want to help others rather than just the paycheck. So missing out on some of those key elements, I think, and, and understanding what is fundamentally driving employees seems like it's uh, a really important aspect of, of what employers should be looking for when it comes to building that company culture. Absolutely. One of the key differences with an area agency on aging versus um, a social work service out of a healthcare system is we are more than just a telephonic touch. We go into people's homes. We see, we meet them where they're at, and then we help them find tools, um, pathways to success. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that uh, that you put on, uh, just uh, that I read that you have have written in the past, is that eighty nine percent of bosses wrongly believe their employees quit because they want more money, and that that really that really stood out to me. So when I knew that I was going to do this podcast, um, my friend Shelley had said that you would appreciate statistics, and when that <laughs> one came up, I was not surprised, but I guess I was at how high that number was. Um, and especially, I know this for a fact at our organization at Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging. You know, people are here because they genuinely care about the consumers they serve. And while, you know, getting a little extra pay when we can make that happen is appreciated, throwing more money at them just because isn't why they do their job. You know, they want to be successful within their respective programs. They want to see their their members be happy and healthy in their homes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it almost comes across when when money is the only incentive given. Uh, I suppose it almost comes across as you, you don't understand me and why I'm doing what I do. So it, it almost, even though it's intended, I think, for good, it almost drives a larger wedge. Not saying that it's not appreciated, but it does seem to show a fundamental misunderstanding of why they do the job that they do in the first place. You're absolutely right. It kind of builds that barrier of us against them. You're right. Have you found, just in looking at this, that different generations approach work and approach their jobs differently and that there's a disconnect there at times? Well, it's very interesting because, yes, I do see that. And what I see is um, I am Generation X, and we have a different work ethic. We have a different expectation. And what I see is the baby boomer people who are still working um, also have a different way they approach work and what they will and won't do. Um, Millennials get a better rap. Um, Gen Z gets a bad rap. But the reality is, is they're just like any other cohort. You need to figure out what makes them work, what motivates them. And it's required a different approach and a little extra time. And it's been an interesting journey. Um, what I have found for our organization is because we have different programs, um, it's easy to get siloed and people don't really talk to each other. So there's has been more outreach, whether they're through educational events, whether it's through um, more social things that engages the community, uh, volunteering, um, interdepartmental teams to help with suggestions that has definitely brought the agency more together. It brings those groups in pairings they would, that they would normally not be in for their job and builds relationships, which ultimately helps drive home values. Would you look at that uh, as those things as good examples of employee engagement? Because I think sometimes that that's a that's a term that is talked about, but I don't know that uh, that employers often maybe fully understand what it means to engage with their employees and some healthy ways to do that. I absolutely agree, and part of it is you know it it doesn't have to be industry specific. You know, it can be that. Um, fun event that happens that they try to get everybody excited about, but they're not going to get excited if you have one picnic a year. If you have opportunities for them to uh, have to attend an all-staff meeting and there's some sort of social thing after an all-staff meeting, if there's an opportunity to volunteer at a community event, and again, you're not only working in a different construct, you're engaging the community in a way that is outside of what you normally do at work. It just helps build those bonds that helps the culture of the organization. And how important do you view uh, opportunities for growth to be when it comes to organizational culture? I think that a lot of people in uh, jobs want to be able to see, here's where I can grow, here's where I can move forward here. And it's when those don't appear readily obvious or available that people often feel, okay, my my time here is is done. So is it important to have those opportunities or at least chart forward a path for, uh, for further growth in the future? Absolutely. And that's where the communication between staff and management is important. If management doesn't make those goals or paths clear, 
then that's just a source of frustration and spinning your wheels. Um, so management leadership has to be open to those conversations and at least help um, drive that conversation uh, or at very least be open to staff who come to them with ideas because that's um, one of the other interesting scenarios if one manager isn't open to that. Um, staff is pretty resourceful and they'll find someone who is and it's not that it's a workaround it's a matter of it's it's important enough for them to seek out um, assistance from somebody outside of their department. Um, and if that's what helps drive change, um, the organization has to be willing to hear that. Right, right. So if somebody's listening to this and they're saying, I have not put a lot of thought into the, the culture of our organization, where do I start? What can I do? What What are some helpful tips or just things that people can think through uh, as they as they maybe begin the process or begin thinking through? Here's how I build a healthy company culture. Mm -hmm. Well, the easy thing is there are so many books, podcasts, articles that are available just to kind of get your feet wet and get comfortable with the language of what they're trying to accomplish. And then it really requires um, an in-depth conversation at the leadership level to identify, well, what have we done in the past? Is there anything out there? And then it becomes um, the work of identifying what values are and then not only what the values are, but how do you measure them? You have to be able to connect it to a measurable goal that reaches out into each department that staff can see how the goal of the department reaches all the way from the vice president all the way down to the line staff. Yeah, and then and then communicating that goal effectively, clearly. I, I think that's a that's a big thing that that um I, th I think sometimes just gets missed is just uh, it's great to have goals, but they must be clearly communicated from, you know, strong leadership. Absolutely right, Tyler. Communication is key. Communication keeps the organization healthy. It keeps everyone informed. And the thing about communication, it's not just monologuing. It's not a one way process. Communication is receiving as well as listening. So there has to be some weights and measures of is this really working this is what we had planned is it working and the leadership has to be willing to you know rework things if it's not working absolutely and you you mentioned to me earlier just uh, that this is a marathon that this is not a you don't just go on a one week spree of creating company culture and then say all right great we're done we have great company culture and then forget about it for the rest of the year it's an ongoing process absolutely so you know for our organization we have several values that we have in place some of them you know are kind of overlooked because it's it's an automatic it's something that is assumed happens safety but what i realized was is safety needs to be an intentional part of conversations it needs to be part of team meetings it needs to be part of performance appraisals and it's not that oh i'm safe it's what are you doing to actively stay safe you know do you know where fire exits are if you're in the field do you know what to do um, aside from calling 911 and so Part of it is just helping staff understand that it is a priority. You give them the tools to execute in whatever setting they're at. 
and that becomes part of the conversation for whatever frequency you think it needs to be. Absolutely. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining me today to talk a little bit more about organizational culture, how it's built, some of the uh, the vital things that you have to be doing to, to grow and to maintain uh, a strong organizational culture. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler. It's been a pleasure. 